Hello and welcome to the TTI Distribution Download, the podcast where we talk about all things happening in the world of electronic components with the specialists of TTI. And now, your host for the TTI Distribution Download, Paula Renfro. Thanks for plugging in again to the TTI Distribution Download. Today we're continuing our conversation with a pair of TTI Market Eye contributors, Mr. Mike Kirshner and TTI VP of Total Quality, Kevin Sink. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Kevin, last time we were here, we heard a lot about the changing landscape for regulations from Mike. Before we get back into that, I'd like you to take just a minute and share a little bit about your story. We, we missed that last episode. So I'm an Aggie, so please don't use any large words. Um, and during that time, I was able to work as a buyer at what is now Lockheed Martin with General Dynamics at the time, helping to build the F-16. So I learned a little bit about purchasing in the military environment. And when I graduated from A&M, I was able to come here to TTI and we were college students that learned how to become uh, salespeople and become experts in resistors and capacitors and connectors at that time. So fast forward, I worked in Houston for 10 years as a salesperson and a sales manager and a product manager and moved up to Fort Worth at our headquarters to help with sales operations and did that for another five or six, seven years and then moved over to quality about 10 years ago. And what was going to be a, a short term, it's now been 10 years. So how you never know. No, no you never but know. But it's been a great experience, great experience, and TTI has been a great place, allowed me to learn lots of different things and do different things that makes it really yeah, fresh. We, are, we are certainly the beneficiaries. Yep. You never know when you're going to come across a life-changing. And for you, would you, would you say your career-changing was quality? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Never yeah. never yeah. saw that coming, right? Well, when the when the other gentleman that had the job before retired, uh, the owner asked me if I would do this. And I said, well, because it wasn't what I expected at all. Mm-hmm. What I thought it was was absolutely not what it is. And so I've had to be to learn to use so many elements of um, just the, the calm person that comes in the middle of a storm. And hopefully I've gotten better at that over time. I know I've got a lot thicker skin than when I started. So that's that's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, still learning, still still more to do. And joining Kevin and I today again is Mr. Mike Kirshner, who is the TTI Market Eye subject matter expert on all things Reach, Rojas, and regulations. Thanks for being here again, Mike. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we're going to kick off today. So someone in the hall, literally today, asked me this, and I said I've got the foremost expert. And so here's here's a tough one for you. You ready? Yep. Is it Ross, Rojas, or Rose? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I blame the Europeans. Okay. Right? So did the other guy. They didn't tell it. They never told us how to pronounce it. Yeah. So here we are with Ross and Rose and Rojas. I don't know where Rojas comes from. There's no A in <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Okay, Mike. I, um, I got to tell you that we're, of we're that's all Kevin I say and, is Rojas. Kevin and I are sitting here. We're from the south, and that's all we've ever called it. <laughs> hey, so. people in the north call it Rojas okay. too. You're not alone. Well, it's okay. Americans. We just can't say anything that the Europeans say. Right. It has to be right. different. That's funny. Okay, so so I like Ross, but we do always say Rojas. Um, and you know, Rojas. we'll just um. 
It's people seem to respond to all three. We I all, think, we all know what we're so talking too. about. Right, we do. We, yep. <laughs> it's, in, this whole, in this whole scheme of all of the topics that we, we're going to cover here, it's the one thing we know what we're talking about. That's true. One of the things that we've all learned about in the last few years is the SCIP database, which the EU requires to more or less tell everyone what this part is made of so that you know how to recycle it and properly. But, Mike, you mentioned that there's some pollution that's occurred within the database because of some listing of some substances that are covered by REACH but really shouldn't. Uh, once once they're used in the process, they are become another element altogether, another molecule, um, and no longer there. So what, what do you think that's going to – what impact does that have? Is that going to set us up to where we have a lot of components that people are going to stop allowing in when really – that they shouldn't? That's a good question. That's one of my concerns is that uh, we don't have a good methodology, I think, particularly in the electronics industry where, you know, I see this a lot and probably in other industries where substances are listed, you know, as SVHCs. So they're, they get included on certificates of compliance and FMDs from uh, full material declarations from suppliers down through the supply chain and even though they're ingredients they're not what comprises the finished product i made the you know i used the example of diboron trioxide or lead monoxide diboron trioxide both of those are svhcs and diboron trioxide is composed, as you would guess, of boron atoms and oxygen atoms in a particular molecule. But when you create a ceramic, those molecules disassociate from each other and just become part of the ceramic matrix. So you have boron atoms and oxygen atoms. You don't have diboron trioxide anymore. So it doesn't exist in the ceramic for the, uh, for the capacitor. Uh, same with uh, lead monoxide and resistors and uh, tetrabromobisphenol A in epoxy for printed circuit boards and other things. We don't have a good way to identify what the resulting uh, ceramic or glass or epoxy. And if we had that, then I think we would eliminate a lot of this this pollution from the database because people wouldn't be putting those substances into the database when they're actually not present in their products. Now, how the EU uses that data, you know, whether whether recyclers actually are going to use it or not, I doubt that they're going to because of their volumes. Their volumes aren't really going to allow them to go take a look at the SCIP database for every single item that passes through so they can figure out how to recycle it. I think it's more going to be used to determine what should be restricted or banned and then what types of products you know i think it's i think it's going to create problems for that process the restriction process well so hopefully some of our capacitor and resistor manufacturers listen in the podcast and get the warning we need to get this clean or we could find ourselves with uh, challenges down the road there's no doubt and i thought i wouldn't need chemistry after college <laughs> Sure do. Unfortunately, I thought I wouldn't need it as an electrical engineer. <laughs> Let's leave chemistry behind and use this, move to something a little bigger and broader. The EU, um, the European Commission has an EU Green Deal, which their tagline on their website says, striving to be the first climate neutral continent. 
So, wow. Uh, how does, tell us about the, the Green Deal and how does its emphasis on this circular economy principles, how is that going to influence the design of electronics going forward and the end of life management? Wow, did you just tie all that together? Ooh, that's yes. good. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Mike's answer. <laughs> it is big. It is really big. And it's causing every, just about every regulation that I know of that targets the electronics industry to change and change pretty dramatically. I mean, the battery directive was just recast as a battery regulation and has all kinds of uh, requirements in it for reuse of, of certain specific substances, supply chain due diligence, labeling. It's a CE mark regulation now. So big changes for batteries. We'll see a packaging regulation as well. That'll make big changes to uh, packaging. We're going to see a recast of the WE directive because the WE directive, I think, needs to be a little bit more prescriptive. I think they, they missed an opportunity to make that more circular and tell manufacturers that they actually have to design for reuse and design products to keep them out of landfills and out of the waste stream. And that's, and I'm sorry, and that's what you, and is that also the packaging, the, your expectation for packaging directive that's relative to, to waste and um, Yes, I, I think we're going to see yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see uh, a lot of a lot of changes in that area. I mean, the packaging and battery directives also already have a uh, recycling requirement in it, extended producer responsibility requirement in them. I, I think they're going to uh, do things like include more substance restrictions in them, like we've seen from France. France restricted some mineral oils in inks used in packaging material, for instance. That's just France. So we really, we want to see that at the How EU level. How did you mean level. that exactly? Like, and that's just France. Right. <laughs> or, and that's just France. <laughs> we don't want individual regulations coming out of all 27 member states. You know, the EU is, uh, they call themselves an unidentified political object. I mean, it's not a federation. It's a really different sort of structure. But we want to see unified regulations come, coming out from the EU. We don't want to see each member state acting individually, especially for things like packaging requirements. So them and Italy have also, uh, Italy has their own regulation for marking and things like that. So we want to see that be consistent. So I, I don't know if all that's going to be wrapped into the packaging uh, regulation when it comes out, but uh, they're also going to update the REACH regulation. They're going to update Ross. And as I said, they put Ross, they put the recast of Ross on the shelf because I think they want to see how all this is going to fall out. Um, the eco-design directive uh, also just got recast. That's got a much broader scope than uh, the previous version in terms of what they can control and manage and why. So that'll be very interesting to see as, as it rolls out. And these are all part of the European Green Deal. And one of the problems is that they're really, to me, pulling the rug out from industry in a way. Um, because while, while industry really does need to address its poor environmental and human health performance in terms of its products, we, we, we haven't 
address the fact that there there should be a Moore's law for environmental performance, but it's definitely not improving as rapidly as the European Commission wants it to. So they're telling the industry how to do it, and for better or for worse. But it looks to me like they're in a way boiling the ocean, trying to do everything at once, and that's causing some uh, some pushback even among the politicians in uh, the EU. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So, as we talk about, and so when you mentioned packaging in the electronics industry, we tend to think about uh, at least the integrated circuit side. You're thinking about is this a BGA, a TSOP, or what is the package of the IC? But this is broader to include what is the reel that these parts are in? What is the ink on the label? Is that what I'm understanding correctly? Yes, it's not about packaging. The as component we use. packaging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. We, we don't use... So that hits yeah. everything possibly that could come and go. Hello. <laughs> <At all>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not component packaging. It's not uh, not IC packaging as, as we, we tend to think of that. But uh, more of uh, the, the tube it comes in. in, the reel, or the, the box, the pallets all that stuff used to move it from one place to another or protect it. With this, there seems to be some plans to make some investment in clean technologies and innovations. Are, are there going to be some opportunities for us to take advantage of these maybe funding opportunities from the EU? If you're in the EU, probably. Probably. I, I You know, that's, that's a good question right. about whether the CHIPS Act would support any of that on the U.S. side, and I, I can't say that I know. Yeah, the CHIPS Act certainly is very important to us to maintain some uh, ability here in the U.S. to build ICs, really, and have high technology that's available to us on our soil. It's just in the, with so much of the, inner, the, the global things that are going on today. You know, for so long we had this peace dividend, and we kind of got the idea that nothing would really get in the way, and we've certainly learned... Uh, yes, the things, politi- geopolitical problems are still there, and these wars could interrupt, or a COVID can interrupt your ability to get anything. So yep. the Chips Act affects that well, but but I wonder if the EU would have a uh, Chips Act, let's say, for their own member countries to help them get to things that are more that are cleaner. That provides a revenue generating um, opportunity. Is that? It's funny when you said earlier, when Mike said earlier about we need Moore's law for 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 some of this activity will what i thought was only if you can make money right mm-hmm. so moore's law happens because there is um finance behind that right there is economy behind that we have to get how yeah. do we get econ- economy behind that for sure it, and so kickstarting it a lot of the technologies um even with um, quantum computing for example that's a uh, an entire industry that's starting to be common industry, but it's really just now leaving the university setting. So a lot of the need technologies that we'll need to be greener are probably being researched today in universities around the world, and they're going to need a kickstart to get out and to be able to be used. So hopefully the, the Green Deal will have something to, to assist with that. Um, I agree. It does kind of make me think about it. When we talk about circular economy, Mike, do you get the impression that um, electronic components would be considered for reuse, like remove them from a board and then sell them as used. So if you have a 
something with low criticality, you could buy used parts for your things? Or is that really, or they're talking more about you know, traditional recycling when we go all the way down back to the base metals and things? It's at every level. So components, PCB assemblies, modules, complete products, you know, those are all different levels of potential reuse. You know, the challenge, of course, at the individual component level is whether it makes financial sense to pull that 01005 resistor off a board, (laughs) figure out what the resistance is, and try to resell that. Well, we certainly see it in the in the counterfeit world where those types of parts are pulled off. Whenever there's a scarcity, um, then people find a way to make things that most of us would think, hey, it can't be worth it. Somebody somewhere found a way to make it worth it. <laughs> and so that's a, that always True. scares me. If, uh, that's great if it always advertised as used, so everybody knows that. But um, unfortunately, in the counterfeit world, they don't advertise them as used, and you don't know it until something fails. So that's a hazard something that we'd all have to watch for is we try to be better for our environment but also safer for our products for sure yeah i agree that's a big risk for circularity thank you gentlemen so much it's been a great couple of episodes i know i learned a lot i'm sure our listeners learned a lot um if you'd like to learn more um about really the past analysis from mike on these subjects, these important subjects of sustainability and compliance. You can read his past analysis and updates every other month on tti.com forward slash market eye. Thank you for plugging in. Thank you for choosing to plug in to the TTI distribution download today. If you have a little more time, push play on our next episode. That's it for this episode of the TTI distribution download. For more information on any of the topics you heard about today, reach out to your nearby TTI branch at 1-800-CALL-TTI or visit us online at tti.com.